All right. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? I know you can do better. I know it. I've heard it. How you guys doing? Yeah. Good to see you guys all here today. And before we get started, let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this place and the, uh, the amazing two months it's been for me and my family here. And God, I pray that as we, uh, as we dive into today, you give us all a clear, clear vision, a clear message as to where we're going and how you're going to work in each and every person here at the church. So we thank you for being here with us today, and we love you. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So today is going to look a little different I know that um, in the past, I've come up and I've had a passage and a message and some points that we've talked about, but today I, I kind of thought I'd, I'd talk to you about kind of charting our course. Where, where are we going to go from here? And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, Easter service, and my first Sunday here was Super Bowl Sunday, and at that point on, it was like, okay, we've got Easter in like seven weeks. It, it, was, it was this crazy buildup. So, all right, you're here. Now we got to head towards, it literally was, I showed up on Super Bowl Sunday, but we were building up towards our Super Bowl, you know, as a church, right? And so it was like, everything's this buildup to here. And, and I had a lot of fun doing it, a lot of fun getting to know you guys. And then it turned into, it's like, all right, now that Easter has come and gone, I was, I was planning our Easter service. I thought, now what? You know, what, what comes next? What are we going to do from here? So I thought this morning I, I talked to you guys kind of like in a way is like if we were all just sitting in, at home you know, around my couch and I could just say, here's my passion for this church. Here, here's where I see God really taking us. Here's where I want us to go. Here's what I want us as a church to do. And here's where I think you can have a part to play in it. So that's really what we're going to unpack today. What does the future of Celebration Center look like? Um, what, what has God put on my heart? And how we all have a part to play in it. Now, where I sense God leading me, I know that we're all going to get there together. This is, this is not something where I'm saying, you know, I'm going to do this, and, and I, I know that I'm going to be doing a lot of it, but a lot of this is going to be me saying, God has put this on my heart because I know this is something we are all a part of. If you call this place your home, and, you know, if you, if you say, this is, this is my church, this is what I want to be, this is where we're going to go. Or maybe if you're visiting, you'll hear something today, and you can say, hey, that sounds good. That's something I want to be a part of. So that's what we're going to go over today. Sound good? Okay, it sounds all right, I guess. Sound, sound good, guys? Yeah. All right, here we go. So uh, open your Bibles to Matthew 16, and we'll get there in a second. But, but I will say, God has given this church an incredible legacy. You know, starting back with Pastor Chris, I mean, 27 years ago, this church started. That's, that's an incredible thing. And when I, when I talk with him about this church, and I got to, to stay with him for a little bit when we first got up here, it was uh, fun to hear, to hear his excitement when he talked about the things that he was able to be a part of in this church, the relationships that he made, the things that he did, the, the mission that this church went out and got to do. It, it was fun to see his face light up and to hear all the fun stories about what was going on and to know now that I get to be a part of it, that God has called my family to move up from California to be here with you is something that I don't take lightly. Now, I think that you know God, God put this this massive responsibility on us to come up here, but I know that I will say this place, you guys, have made this one of the easiest transitions we've ever gone through. Um, coming up here, I was, uh, it was a little scary, it was exciting, it was, you know, I explained to people, it was just a roller coaster of emotions, right? You know, we're, we're the excitement of we're doing something new, then the, the, the fear of we're leaving our family and going somewhere we've never been before, not knowing what's going to happen, it was scary, but you guys have made the transition so fun for lack of better words. And so thank you guys for being a part of welcoming my family in. 
as we look ahead to the future, I want to help us chart our course. You know, with, with restrictions starting to open up, I know I've talked with a number of you and you've already got one or even both shots of the vaccine. You know, things we're starting to see a shift in the community. So what does that look like for us here? And there are a lot of things on my mind when I think about our future and a lot of excitement that gets built up. And I hope that you can see that excitement today um, as we unpack this as a church and where we're going. So in Matthew 16... It's a passage that Jesus was speaking to his disciples about. And this is very prominent for their future. What's going to happen after his resurrection? Now, this is you know, before he was crucified, but, but he's, he's given them kind of a, a, an advanced set. He says, this is what's going to happen when I'm gone. Now, when we read this, we see that we will always look ahead to what he is building. We look ahead to what he is building. Now, Matthew 16, 16 to 20, Simon Peter answers. He says, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, "Because our, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah." Now, you see, I, I believe that, that Hades, or hell, wants to build a wall around the church, wants to keep us confined, wants to keep you confined, doesn't want you going out and sharing, doesn't want you going and living out what Christ has done in your life, wants to keep you isolated, alone, individual, away from the pack, but we serve God. We serve a God who says, I can tear down any wall, and I can make you a fisher of men. I can make you someone who goes out and builds the kingdom. You see, the, the more I study this passage, I don't come to the conclusion that it was physically Peter, like Jesus building his church on Peter, but the statement that he made, the statement where he says, you are the Messiah, the son of God. He says, on you, I'm gonna build the church. I think that's something he can build on all of us today. When we acknowledge who Jesus is and that he is the son of God and what he's done in us, we get to build. And that gets to be the foundation of everything we do. It all points back to Jesus. I believe Jesus wants to tear down any walls to make sure that we're not a private place. We're not a hidden place. We get to be a place that Puyallup gets to see and they say, hey, look what's happening there. Amazing things are happening there because Christ is our foundation and he has torn down walls and allowed us to go do incredible things. Not to live in fear, but to live in strength because of who he is. But it's gonna take vision and, and, and sight to get there. Now, I have really, really good eyesight. Last time I got tested, my tested, uh, the eyes came back at 2015, which I didn't know exactly what that meant, but then the doctor said, that's better than 2020. You have really good sight. And for me to hear that was cool. When I was a kid, I had to wear glasses. And for whatever reason, as I got older, my eyes adjusted and I have really good sight now. But all that to say, I had really good sight. And growing up, our family car was a 15-passenger van. That was the family car. Now, most of you, I've shared before, I'm number seven of 15 kids. There's a lot of us. So that was just the family car. Going to church, it was in the van. Going to school, everyone gets in the van. And my mom, with that many kids, there was always some in high school and middle school and elementary school. She was all over the place. That was just the family car. So as, when we got picked up from school, we could be walking and you know, we had our spot, we would wait, and you could see the van from a distance because it wasn't just a small little car. It was a beast of a van. Now, one time, we're walking, and we're walking, and, and I'm kind of looking over, and I see the van blocks away, just down straight shot. I was like, oh, look, mom's on her way. And my brother says, one of my brothers I was at school with, he said, you can see the van from that far away. I look right at him. I go, eyes like a hawk. The second I say that, boom, right into a pole. 
just what full stride. It was, you know, eyes like a hawk, smash. Everyone saw it. I go down, I get up, I have this gnarly bruise on my face for the next few days, and it just became hilarious that here I am with good vision, and what happens? I lose sight of what I'm looking at, and I walk smack into a pole. Now, this happened because I took my eyes off of the objective, right? Started looking left, started looking right, looked that way. I wasn't looking right in front of me. Things got blurry, and bam, it followed with an injury. Not a massive injury, but I wasn't ready for it. Sometimes we could be in a season where it's easy to look left, it's easy to look right, and sometimes we forget we need to keep our vision focused on where are we going? What are we going to do? And as we do this, as a church, we need to remember our ultimate vision. As we chart our course, the vision that really matters is not just the vision about what we're going to do, but the ultimate vision, the vision that matters is the vision of God and what a good God that he is. The vision that matters is to be delighted and captivated with who he is, his character, and how that can infuse us to go do amazing things. How blessed I am, how blessed we are to be called children of God, and how we have the incredible ability to partner with him to do amazing things. So as we move forward with with vision and mission, I think that we get to dream big. We get to dream really, really big, and I never want to lose sight of our ultimate focus, an ultimate mission that is our intense devotion to him and what he has put on us. And I know that he guards, he secures, and he protects his vision because he's God and nothing can stop him. Now, I think that God has promised to build something big in us. It's a promise we see in scripture. The church is going to be huge. And therefore, it makes sense. If, if God is big and God prevails, it makes sense that as a church, we get to be big and prevailing. And I don't just mean big in numbers. I mean big in impact and big in what we are going to do. And it can seem like a far cry from what's happening in the United States right now. When, when COVID hit, I mean, due to not just restrictions, but due to, to life just kicking people when they're down, a lot of church attendance in a lot of places really, really plummeted. People stopped going for many different reasons. It was not just COVID, but other life reasons kind of took people, their, their ability to look at what God wants to do. It kind of looked at, you know, the vision got blurry. Vision kind of got sidetracked, but I truly believe that God has amazing things for us here in Puyallup that we can move forward with as a church. I believe the more I talk to people and restrictions are starting to lift, the more, the more phone conversations I have, the more emails I send, people are starting to get ramped up in a good way. People are excited to get back on. People are excited to, you know, I can't wait till we can do this with no restrictions. And believe me, I can't wait till we can get rid of masks either. I, I am waiting for that day where we can, you know, just throw those in a fire and say, we're done with them. And I'm so happy that it looks like we're getting closer to that moment. And I truly believe that God has big things for us. And I, I've said this before, and this is something that, um, that I've learned just being in church. I don't believe that we need to be the best church in our city, but I believe we need to be the best church for our city. What can we do for our city? And we all have a big part to play in this. Now, this is said with, with no pride, no bigness. Like I said, I want us to be a big church. This is not like I want to be able to go outside and say, my church is the biggest church, it's in Puyallup, church in Puyallup. That's, that would be amazing, but that's, not, that, that's kind of pride-filled. I don't want that to be what fuels what we do. Like I said, I want us to go out and say, what's the biggest impact we get to have? That's what gets me excited. What, what did we do that changed something, that changed a life? What did we go and say that made an impact on one person? And then that one person made an impact on somebody else. 
And then that somebody else, it just, it's kind of like this, you know, this butterfly effect, this domino effect where lives are changed because we're following what God has put on us. Now, it's not going to happen if we just carry on business as usual, though. If it just turns into a, you know, this is, this is kind of the formula that we do and this is it, we won't really see change. I think one of the, uh, one of the biggest quotes, so I watched, I was really late to the show on this. I watched just this year for the first time, The Greatest Showman. And I love the movie. I'm trying to learn the songs on the piano and my daughters are singing with me. I have a lot of fun with it. But there's a line in this movie that's great. When he's trying to figure out, if you don't know the movie, a P.T. Barnum, it's him creating the circus. And he, he's talking to people about what to do next. And someone said, aren't you happy with what you have? And he said, comfort is the biggest enemy of progress. I was like, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring some circus quotes into church. Yeah. All right. Comfort is the biggest enemy of progress. I don't want us to be in a place where we're comfortable. I want us to be in a place where we are stretched and we're convicted because we want to see God do amazing things and we get to be a part of it. But it's hard to see if you don't, it's hard to do if you don't have a vision of where you want to go. Vision takes goals, which may seem way out of reach. And a lot of what I say today may seem way out of reach, but I believe we can get there. And so to illustrate this, go ahead and uh, check this clip out. The dramatic achievements in space which occurred in recent weeks should have made clear to us all, as did the Sputnik in 1957, the impact of this adventure on the minds of men everywhere who are attempting to make a determination of which road they should take. Since early in my term, our efforts in space have been under review. With the advice of the Vice President, who is chairman of the National Space Council, we have examined where we are strong and where we are not, where we may succeed and where we may not. Now it is time to take longer strides, time for a great new American enterprise, time for this nation to take a clearly leading role in space achievement, which in many ways may hold the key to our future on Earth. I believe we possess all the resources and talents necessary, but the facts of the matter are that we have never made the national decisions or marshaled the national resources required for such leadership. We have never specified long-range goals on an urgent time schedule or managed our resources and our time so as to ensure their fulfillment. I therefore ask the Congress above and beyond the increases I have earlier requested for space activities, to provide the funds which are needed to meet the following national goals. First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. I love that clip. I love it because JFK, he sets this vision, right? He says, we are going to get someone on the moon and bring them home. Now, did he have all the answers of every little detail of what that was going to entail? No, no, he didn't. But he set the vision for it. He said, I'm going to ask people to do things, and we want to get there. And at that time... Going to, going to space was one thing, but landing on the moon and coming back was like, are you crazy? What are you going to do? But seven years later, we did it. 
Seven years later, he did. He didn't have the details, but vision can be kind of like that. You may not have every single dot connected, but you have the goal, and you have the step. You say, all right, this is where we want to go, and there's going to be steps to take to get there, and it gets you moving in the right direction. Now, these words strike true for me when we talk about moving forward. I want to be able to say, this is where we want to go, and then as we go, we'll start to get these steps in place on what it's going to take to get us from point A to point B, because I ultimately believe, I ultimately believe God has this incredible point B for us, and we all get to go on this journey to get there together. And I sense that there's going to be some big things here. There's going to be some new ones, and it could sound like a lot, and it will be a lot. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but this is the journey that we're going to go on, and I'm excited to be a part of it with you. There are a few words that, that come to mind. And what I love about this is I actually uh, met with the, the board and kind of unpacked my, my, my dream and vision for this. And they said, these three words, which are familiar to me, are not new to you, which I thought was awesome. So some of them may sound familiar if you've been in this church for a while, but the first is gather. I believe that as a church, we will gather unto Jesus. John twelve thirty two says this, but when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. Now, Henrietta Mears was an extraordinary person, and she had a great vision. She was thoughtful, she was passionate, and she was a risk-it-all-for-God kind of person. Now, she led church ministry for decades in an era where women typically did not lead church things, and she had a very strong zeal for God. And she became frustrated because there was no real great curriculum to educate students as far as the church goes. So she created a publishing house that many of you may have heard of called Gospel Life. Now, Billy Graham said this, outside of his wife, no woman had such an influence on his life as Henrietta Mears. Now, all this to say, when she was on her deathbed, somebody asked her, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Her reply, I would trust Christ for more. That's amazing because she did incredible things and she sparked this huge movement of women being prominent in ministry and this whole gospel education program. And she said, I would trust God for more. That's huge. And, and when I think about Celebration Center, I think we can all trust God for so much more. And this is not like a, a begging and pleading like, God, why are you not giving me more? But I think it's a trust like, God, I know you have more. I know there's so much more for this place that we get to be a part of. And, and thinking about this, 27 years this church has been here. That's incredible. You know how many churches don't make it past the first five? And this church has been here for 27. That is amazing. Pastor Chris had an incredible legacy when he started this place. And I found out that our first Sunday here was the six-year anniversary of his last Sunday here as a senior pastor. And I thought, how cool that we get to be a part of the legacy that he started here. Now, this church, over the course of 27 years, maybe you'll find yourself in one of these categories, but what has this church meant for you? How many people have messed up, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but how many people have messed up and found grace here in this place under the leadership of maybe Pastor Chris, Pastor Mike, or Pastor Nathan? How many of you guys found grace here? How many people met Jesus here for the very first time? How many people learned how to pray here? How many people would have been, or were in a crisis and needed family support and they found it here. How many people didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit and they discovered maybe they had a spiritual gift and they learned how to use it here? How many people went through the agony of divorce or heartbreak, but because of this place, they found healing and restoration and comfort? How many people suffered just an incredible loss but were comforted by someone in this room? Now, the question is, who do you know that doesn't need a God that can do all those things? 
right? Who do you know that doesn't need a God who can say, all these things that you've gone through in life, I'm here for you. And I can do amazing things in you and through you because of what you're doing and how you're trusting in me. We can trust God for more as we gather into him and we lift him up before those around us. Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and tell all the people and make disciples. See, we, we weren't called to do this on our own. We weren't called, this is why the, the word gather is so big. We weren't called to live in little silos outside where you're by yourself. We were called to gather together, to be a group of people that get to come and get to celebrate and be a part of something bigger. I think, I don't want to be the church that just says, let's come and see. I want to be the church that says, let's gather, let's go and be. Let's not just come and see, let's go and be. So many churches can be that church that says, we're, we're, we're going to gather, but then that's kind of where it is. Or maybe you're just going to gather somewhere else, really, really small, but not go do something about it. And I want to be the church that says, you know, we're not just going to come in and gather here, we're going to go and be. Now, it could be easy to think that some people may just see us and go, that's a church. I want to go visit that church. But I think it's a lot harder for someone to come and see what we're doing if we're not going out and being what we're practicing out in our community. If we're not putting it into practice, if we're not living out the life that Christ has called us where he's placed us, it's going to be really hard to expect other people to just jump on board. See, it's going to be a much bigger testament to someone when they see us living outside this building consistently, out in our community, trusting God, being the hands and feet, the words of Jesus outside. That's a bigger testament than saying, come see what we do on Sunday when we get to experience it with others. Let's gather, but let's be more. Let's be more than church inside the wall. Let's be church outside the wall. Let's be in our homes. Let's gather in our communities. Let's gather in restaurants. Let's gather in schools. Let's make sure we are gathering in our neighborhoods. Take Jesus out. Be hands and feet. Never forget the importance it is to gather together as a large group and celebrate. The second word is growth. I think it's time to refocus as a church, refocus our growth. And this, like I said, it's not just a numerical growth. I think that numerical growth comes when a lot of other things are growing in healthy ways, specifically how we grow in Christ. This year, I think the very first message I gave you, I think, was titled, uh, make this, or it was along the lines of make this year, the year that you say, I'm going to take my walk with Jesus more, more serious than ever. Gonna take it more serious than ever. This year, let's, let's capitalize on that. Make your spiritual life, make your walk with God the most important thing in your life. I truly believe that once you do this, everything else starts to fall in place. The most dangerous place we can be as a Christ follower is the back of the pack. Someone who maybe doesn't have a devotional time. Someone who says, I'm only gonna come on Sunday and I'm not gonna really take time to grow myself in Christ. You know the end of wilderness when, when lions are hunting? You know what animal they go after? The straggler. When they, see, when they see the group of, of dinner walking along, right? They, they see that big old buffet course. They'll see the one that goes off to the side or the one that falls behind and they think, that's dinner. That's what I'm gonna go for because that one is separated from the pack. That one doesn't have the defense of everyone else around it. That one is the easy pickings, right? I think the same thing can be in our lives if we don't take time to grow spiritual, we don't take time to say, I'm, gonna, I'm really gonna dive in and I'm gonna start feeding myself some. I'm gonna really spend time with God. We can start to be that person that starts to, to kind of fade away from the pack a little bit and make ourselves vulnerable for when the world wants to consume us with itself. Deuteronomy 25, 17 and 18 says, this is when the Israelites are in the desert. It says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks all of the straggles of your rear when you were tired and weary. 
I don't want our spiritual or our lack of spiritual life to make us tired and weary. I want the fact that we dive into God, we really dive into Jesus to be something that catapults us and grows us. So when the world comes at us, we can say, hey, you've got nothing on me. You've got nothing on me because I've got a God on my side and I've been eating with him a lot lately. And this is what we get to do together. Now, when I played football, one of our coaches, and every year our coaches did this, and it was uh, something that we all hated. We ran. We ran and we ran and we ran. And when we were tired and broken, our coaches say, get up, we're running the track again. And it was just, I mean, players falling and picking each other up. It was the last thing we wanted to do was run. And then we had a week where it was called, forgive the term, it was called Hell Week. This was a week that made or broke players. There were many players that quit during, during this week because it was so intense. It was practice. I mean, there were two, two times a day you'd have a full practice, sometimes even three. You would be worked up to the point where you would be losing anything that you had eaten before or even the water you were drinking because you were so exhausted in what you were doing. But our coach would keep pushing us. But you know what was great about it? The more you did it, the more conditioned you got and the better physically fit you started to feel. And you could tell come game time if the player across from you was not working as hard as you because they would start to get tired and you could start to easily overcome that person because you had conditioned and you had pushed through and you had gone forward even when it wasn't convenient in that time. I mean, everything inside us wanted to stop, right? When, when, you're, when you're at that breaking point and your coach is yelling at you to keep going, at that point, you're just done. <laughs> and some people did say they were done. But for, for those of us who made it through that week, we got to experience the game. And we got to experience being better conditioned and better prepared for that game. To where the other player couldn't knock us over because as they were getting tired, we were still going. Our spiritual journey can be like this. It may not be convenient, but I think that it is important enough to make sure we are giving it everything we've got. Because in those hard times, we're going to want to go forward with it. My heart and desire for us is to be people that live on the basis of conviction, not convenience. Now, if we learned anything through the pandemic, and we can raise hands for this, how many of you guys experienced a rough 2020? Right? There we go. We're, we're all in favor. That was, it, was a rough, it was a rough time, right? 2020 was hard. And we learned that things, a lot of things that we took for granted, it, it, life became inconvenient, it became very inconvenient. Being told to wear a mask everywhere you go, something we still have to do, that's inconvenient. That, that is not fun. Being told now in a church setting, being told we couldn't even gather for a while, man, that was inconvenient. Majorly inconvenient. And then when we could meet together, I remember my very first Sunday here, November 22nd, when you guys had to vote on, is this guy good or is this guy crazy? Send him back to California. You guys, I, I had to say, hey, we can't sing. You think that's what I wanted to say my very first time meeting you guys? <laughs> that, was, that was inconvenient and scary for me. But through inconvenience, what we get to see, through an incredibly inconvenient time, we get to see an incredible opportunity to show how strong our convictions can be. We can overcome inconvenience with strong convictions. It can be really inconvenient, or you know, the, the timing of things. It, it could be easy to say, well, you know what? I'm not going to do this today because it's just inconvenient and I don't have the time. Or it would be so much easier if maybe things were tweaked this way to accommodate my specific preferences, but because they're not, I'm going to back out. Maybe I'll make it to, to small group only if it's convenient. Maybe I'll make it to church only if it's convenient. Maybe I'll squeeze some Devo time in only if it's convenient for me. But the problem is if we let convenience override convictions, we're saying it's really all about me and not all about him. I want to make sure we're living in conviction. And this is, this is coming from a place of conviction for myself. 
This, this is not just me trying, trying to call anybody out. Hear my heart behind this. This is what God has told me. It's like, Dustin, I want you to live more on conviction. Live more on your conviction. I've been in full-time ministry for, for 15 years now. Senior pastoring for two months, right? But the hard truth is, Sometimes when conviction overrules, when convenience overrules conviction, that's when it can be easy to get picked off. That's when it can be easy to be that person, you know, that, that dinner in that herd that's falling back and then Mufasa picks you off, right? That's when it can be easy to get picked off when you're not living on your conviction. Take time with God. Take time, join a small group. Take time dedicated to gathering and growing. And don't let that take a back seat. Let that be in the front, the forefront of your mind. I believe God's calling us to a new level of transformation as a people and as a church. And, and hear my heart. This is coming from my conviction. I want to grow in Jesus. I want to know that when I put him first, when I decide that he is the most important thing ever, all these other conveniences, they can start to fall into place. They can start to, to maybe lose the, the importance factor. We thought, you know what? I thought that was important, but that really is not important. This is more important. This is where I'm going to go. And in this season, as we move forward into now the second quarter of 2021, commit to building and strengthening your spiritual habits. 1 Timothy 4.7 says this, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. I love that. It says, keep yourself spiritually fit. Now, Willow Creek was once one of the most influential churches in the nation. At, their, at one of their peaks, they were boasting over 25,000 people every single weekend. That's incredible what they were doing. And so they, along with five or six other churches, decided to do a massive study of their ministries. What's being effective? What's not being effective? What are we putting money into? Is this working? Is this not working? And they released all of their uh, information in a book called Reveal. And I remember going through this years ago, but what Reveal showed was something really, really shocking to them, actually. They thought, they saw that one of their biggest ministries that they were shelling money into was not effective. It was not effective because Bill Hybels, the former pastor of that church, he said, we made a mistake by not teaching people to be self-feeders. We were doing all the feeding. Fundamentally, we have to change how we do church. See, he realized it's not just about going somewhere and getting fed. It's learning, how can I now take this and how can I keep feeding myself? Think if you only ate one meal a week on Sunday, how destroyed your body would be if you were even still alive for the next Sunday, right? You've got to be able to feed yourself throughout the week. What are we going to do to make sure that, hey, I may not be at the group, I may not be at the church, but how am I going to keep growing? How am I going to make sure that I'm, I'm spiritually nourishing my body? The American Medical Association said, it isn't what the doctor can do for the patient, but what the doctor can get the patient to do for themselves to help with ongoing health. Being fed is important, but learning to feed yourself from the word of God and how God speaks to you through his word is incredibly important. It's, our, it's my desire for us to nurture a relationship with Jesus in such a way that you are in living, beautiful union with him in everything you do. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. It's important for all of us to, to be able that we're doing that, nurturing yourself, being a part of, of a devotional plan in some way, shape, or form. I know it's my goal. I would love it if I could look out and people would say, I'm on board. We could have 75%. It's a high number, but if 75% of the people here said, I am on a reading plan. Like, this is what I do. This is my plan to make sure I am getting filled devotionally. That would be incredible. Have 75% people say, this is so important to me. I'm going to be an active reader and doer of the word, and this is a conviction, and I'm not going to let convenience stop it. I'm doing it. 
It's my dream and vision here to see everyone connect, not just with God, but connect with others. Acts 2.46 says, They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. See that? They broke bread in their homes. Small groups. The people of Acts didn't just meet as a corporate. They met individually and in small groups. They did life together. And it wasn't just a click. It wasn't just like, hey, let me get just a few of my friends together and hang out. This was sharing life. This was a purpose. See, the New Testament never, ever leaves us with the impression of doing something solo. It always leaves us with the large group and the small groups, saying how vital they are to your personal growth, to the church growth, to being connected in the community, not to be disconnected from God, but be connected in a positive way that really fulfills your Christ's life follower, following. Once a person trusts Jesus and takes that step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, man, it takes intentional work. It takes effort. It takes purpose and passion. But we get to see God do amazing things beyond our walls when we are committed to meeting together. <clears throat> we are all in this together. No one here is called to be a silo, to do life on your own. I believe we're all called to not just be here, but be a part of a group where you're going to share life, you're going to share community, you're going to share joy, you're going to share maybe even a meal, and you're just going to grow and build each other up in incredible ways. God built us not just for community, but he also built us for service, to, to be known, uh, to, to, to go and celebrate what has been celebrated clearly through your life in your community. If you desire, uh, I, I believe this strongly, if, and I know, I know I'm an extrovert, and I know there's introverts out there, but, but I truly believe that if, if, if you choose to do this by yourself and say, I'm not going to be connected to anyone, then you're really going to miss out on some potential that God has put on your heart where you can make a big difference. My dream goal, this is, this is a big number, you guys ready? My dream goal is to have 100% everybody in this church connected in a small group. Everybody comes and says, I'm not just going to see you on Sunday. There's somebody that you say, I will see you on this day. I will see you on this evening. I will see you at your home. I will see you. Right now, we even have some Zoom meetings. I will see you and I will connect with you outside of this place. My goal to have something for everyone on every day of the week. Because I believe that in order to grow larger numerically and spiritually, we have to grow smaller. In order to grow larger, we have to grow smaller. And that's being done through our small groups. So much life happens. Growth happens, community happens, service happens. I know that I was a part of a small group. This was years ago when I got my very first job as a pastor at a Creekside church. Not the Creekside I came from, but a different Creekside church. Same name, no affiliation. But I was there, and the small group we were a part of became the group where when someone was hurting, the small group helped them. When someone had a need, that small group was immediately reached out. And, and it, just, it was amazing to see that family that built and then to see them on Sunday connect with everybody else and then get to go back together and serve and share life. And, and they didn't just serve each other. They, we, we got to serve the community. And it was an amazing way to grow spiritually through the small group. If you haven't signed up for a small group yet, they launched this week. I think one of our first small groups starts tomorrow. And it's not too late to sign up. I encourage you guys, if you haven't been a part of a small group before, you're not a part of a small group right now, the signups are in the foyer. You can go on our website, find a group. Find a group and be open to saying, I'm going to share my life and we're going to grow. And, you know, it, it may get messy at times. There may be a little bit of conflict, but, man, through that conflict, we get to see God do amazing things in people. 
And if you don't have a group that fits your timeline, like you say, there literally is no time that works because I'm working or life happens, man, come talk to me. Maybe, maybe you, you can start a group that fits that time because there's other people that are in the same boat. Say, we're just looking for something that fits this time. Man, talk to me about it. Maybe I'll even help you set it up and facilitate it. It is that important to me that I will be a part of it with you if I have to, to make sure that everybody has a group. It is vital to church growth and personal spiritual growth. Right now, we have seven groups. There are seven groups that get to meet. And how great would it be by the end of uh, this summer, you know, we say, hey, we're launching in fall, and we have 10, 15 groups because people are signing up and joining, and we just get to, to blow this thing out of the water with people cr uh, craving and diving into community. I get excited when I think about it, when I think of all the people meeting outside of church to grow. To see personal growth, commit yourselves. Commit yourselves, not just to a small group, but commit to using your talents. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, how many people here are good at something? Two of you, great. <laughs> All right, everybody here, just throw it out there, everybody here is good at something. Everybody has something they're good at. And I think that when you find what you're good at, find a way to use that talent, to use that gift to serve the kingdom. Now, I think that serving is an irrepla irreplaceable way to grow yourself as an individual. I would love for people to find their sweet spot in ministry. For me, for years, it was children's ministry. I couldn't get enough of it. That, that's, I was volunteering in it. I was a children's pastor for 13 of those years. It was just, that's what I loved to do. I could not get enough of children's ministry. I could not get enough of the joy that I had with kids. Now, there are some of you that if I say, join children's ministry, you would say, never. Like, that is not my gift. And that is A-OK. -okay. I know that. But it's my dream for everybody here to find what is your serving niche? What, 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 is, the, what is the thing that gets you thinking, yeah, I can do that? That sounds fun. And maybe you try it and you say, you know what, that wasn't fun, I'm out. That's fine, but let's find something else. Seriously, what's, what's something that when you think of doing it, it really gets you excited? We can see, you know, maybe, maybe you, you see people and you say, hey, you know what, I'm musically inclined. Playing on the worship team would be really fun because you love to play instruments. What better way to use that gift than to help usher people in on a Sunday morning and help prep, prime the pump and have them sing worship to God? Maybe you have a gift of tech and you say, hey, you know, I look around and I know that I can, I can help with, with videos or, or slides or signs. And you say, hey, I, I'm technically inclined. I want to get involved in tech. Maybe you just like to talk to people and you say, you know, I just want to greet people when they walk in the doors and smile and say, welcome home. Welcome to Celebration Center and sign up to greet. Maybe you, you're gifted with service and you really like to get your hands dirty and you say, hey, you know, I would like to, to, to paint or garden or weed. That's, that, that's your niche. That's what you want to do. Man, come talk to me. Let's talk about things we can do around campus. I think everybody here has something we can do to build up not just the church, but when you serve, when you say, I'm going to give this talent, this passion God's given me and give it back to him, you get to see that grow. You get to see your passion and love for it grow. And through that, you get to see your excitement bleed out into other people. I love it. When you see people doing their jobs and they love doing it, even if you don't necessarily love that job, it's an infectious joy that can come. When someone walks in, man, you never discredit the first smile that someone sees when they walk in the door, how that can shift their morning in an instant. 
Never discredit the, the family that's coming in and thinking, oh my gosh, my kids are driving me insane. Just get rid of them. And then their kids go up to the classroom and then they come down and their kids are full of joy from what they just did, how that can impact a parent's life. Never forget that when someone drives on campus and, and they see a campus that has been groomed and is excellent and looks good, they can say, wow, this place values this place. I wonder if they value me. And people get to see because we care for this place, we care for each other, how it bleeds into our love for each other. And then think of what the opposite is if that doesn't happen. If someone comes in and they're not greeted with a smile, or if someone comes in and their kids have the worst time, or there's, there's no one on, on, the, on the team playing instruments while I'm playing with excellence, or I come up and I give just the skunk of a message and it's horrible. If we're not doing things with excellence across the board, that can bleed out as well. And that can get people unexcited to serve. It can get people think, saying, you know what? I don't really think I want to be a part of that. But just like the opposite, the opposite of that is true. When people see the joy that comes that we're having, the, the genuine joy and love that we're having, giving our talents and serving, man, that's the great way to get other people on board. To get other people to say, you know what? I want to be a part of that. I went to that place and I was welcomed. I was loved. It looked good. My kids had fun. I want to be a part of it. And through that, they get to see the joy that we have, not just from serving each other, but because we serve because he serves. And that's ultimately the foundation of why we're doing what we're doing. I can't tell you how important it is, I think, for everyone to find a place of service, be a part of this process we have here at the church. And some people can tend to think, this is, this is true, the things you hear as a pastor are, are crazy sometimes, honestly. There, there are times where people say, you know, it's like, hey, why don't you serve? Oh, it looks like they have it all together. They don't need me. Oh, I tell you, we need you. That every ministry, every ministry could always use more people. Every single one. There is, there is a place, I believe, for every single person here to use the gifts God's given you. Um, no matter where you are, there's a place for everyone. No one is not skilled enough to serve somewhere. No one is too old to serve somewhere. And trust me, sign up, jump in, do it with joy, use your gifts in a way that will fuel you and bring you joy, and watch it spread. I guarantee it spreads. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was an English preacher and pastor, said it this way when he retired about his one regret. He said, I built a crowd, but I didn't build a church. I built a crowd, but I didn't build a church. It's not about simply getting people together. It's about influencing. It's about serving and changing a community, changing a culture for God. I pray and believe for a day that where a passionate relationship with Jesus will lead to a meaningful relationship with others and where caring for others takes priority. That is the conviction we have. Serve God, love God, love people. And for, for everyone who already serves, if you, if you do anything in any capacity here at Celebration Center, thank you. Thank you so much. None of this happens without you. And if you haven't served yet and you're, you're anxious, like maybe I could sign in or sign up, man, I'm ready to have you. Come talk to me. I can point you to a ministry leader. Jump on. Let's have some fun. It's going to be work, but man, there is nothing quite like working for the kingdom. It is an incredible joy. And the third is this. First, we gather, we grow, and the third is it's time to go out for Christ. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, this won't be done by one person. Not just one person going. This is going to be done by us as a church, going out and doing things together. Now, for those of you who were here when Pastor Chris was a pastor, you probably just thought, oh, yeah, gather, grow, go. He said those things. I promise you, I did not talk to him about this. And, and when I was talking to uh, my team about this, they pulled out one of the old bulletins where it said gather, grow, go. Had no idea that's what you guys did. 
But I know that, that from, from what I've learned in ministry and what I'm bringing, what I've brought with me and my family, what God's put on my heart, these three words are words that I know. They're, they're words that I know work and they're my, my, uh, my vision and passion for you guys. I want us to go. <clears throat> the world is reached one life at a time. Start a prayer list. Who's on your list that you want to reach? Who, who's on your list you say, hey, this person doesn't go to church or they used to come to church or, or maybe, oh, gosh, I wish they'd come back. Let's not just wish they came back. Let's invite them to come back. Let's go get them. Let, let's not just say, again, you know, a place where we hope they come and see us. Let's go and be it. Let's go get people. As we go, as we go out, we'll see this is a great time to renew our dreams. Let's renew our dreams as a church. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now glory to God. Glory to go, I'm sorry, it's, now glory to go who is by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. That's crazy. Mighty powers at work within us to go do things that we can't even imagine. In Acts 15, we see Barnabas and Paul. These were men who risked their lives to go. They said, our lives literally are under attack right now and we are going to go. They put it all on the line. They said, we are willing to go and it could cost us our lives. And it ultimately did. But they were willing to roll the dice. They were willing to risk it. They said, this is so important. This conviction I have to live out what God has put on my heart is too big for me to say, I'm gonna stay here. I have to go. More than ever, I believe God is going to use us more the more we're willing to roll the dice a little bit the more we're willing to step out and take a risk. Now, I say risk because we don't know what's gonna happen with some new things. And we say, hey, we're gonna, go, we're gonna go do this. We don't know how it's gonna play out, but I do know that if we do our due diligence, we pray about it, we seek God, and we go for it, he has our future in mind, and he has amazing things planned for us. And what we may view as a failure, you could say, nope, this is the start to one of your biggest successes. This is going to be something huge because we may have, like I said, inklings of failure in our minds when we go with, with the risk and not knowing what's going to happen, but we have the best business manager on our side in God, the absolute best one. It's a risky business, but he is the ultimate risk taker and risk edifier. C.T. Studd once said, gamblers for gold are many, but the gamblers for God are so few. Now, there's studies that show, and again, this is not groundbreaking studies. There are studies that show a majority of people in our neighborhood don't go to church. Not a shocker, right? Or you may have neighbors all around you that don't go to church. But if we want them to come, it can't just be a dream of empty words. At some point, we have to roll up our sleeves and say, all right, I'm going to make this invite. All right, I'm going to go to that person. I'm not just going to say, maybe they'll come with me. I'm going to go to them and share with them what Jesus has done for me. Share with them what is happening in my church. I want them to be a part of it so bad that I'm going to go and do it. <clears throat> I want us to go and to be. I want us to find out ways that we can reach out locally, ways that we can reach out globally, but, but specifically locally. We already have our Zyger food outreach, and I've shared before, I love this outreach. The fact that we get to, to bring food and serve the community and, and serve the elementary school students, I, I, I love it. I love seeing the lobby fill up with, with different foods. That is an amazing outreach we get to do. And, and I want to think, all right, so what are some other things we can do? Something I've heard many, many times when I first moved up here was, you have not experienced a fair in your life until you've been here. I've, and at one point I was talking about maybe doing something in September and someone said, are you crazy? The fair's in September. You will do nothing in September because there's the fair. But, but it, it got me thinking, all right, we, we're doing some things for the schools, which are great, and I want to capitalize on that. What can we do at the fair? 
What, what can we do to say, if this, if this is so big and this is something everyone wants to be a part of, man, I don't know what that answer is yet, but I know that, that God gave me a vision for, hey, let Celebration Center be, be a presence at the fair. That would be amazing. We get to go do something. <clears throat> Romans 2, 4 says this, the kindness of God leads to repentance. Man, our challenge, wherever we go, let's go, let's be kind, let's serve, let's go and be. Don't just be come and see, let's go and be. Let's make that big walk to be in our community. That big step to be in our schools, to be in our workplace, to go be who God has called us to be everywhere. To know that when you live God's life, it gives you freedom. God determines who's gonna walk into our life, right? We, we, we never know who we're gonna come in contact with, but we have a decision right there. We can say, hey, I can take this opportunity to really share with you who God has called me to be, and we get to be the church for that person. I want us to go and be everywhere we go. And it's not just big events. I know that uh, when I was at Creekside, for a long time, we were known as the event church. And we did events, and man, we did them well. We had a lot of fun doing some amazing things. And uh, we, we, I mean, there, were some, there were car shows and trunk or treats and, um, and sea games. And I know that you don't know what these terms all mean, but they were all names we gave events where we would have hundreds or sometimes even thousands of people come on campus for something. But then we started to realize it's not necessarily the event that's causing people to join. At one point, we had an event that we had done for like five or six years, and we did it a lot. We had thousands of people over the course of years come on campus, and one, one year we decided, it's like, all right, let's really put it to the test and see what happens after this. Guess how many visitors we got after the event? None. And I was like, man, how did we have an event where we felt over 2,000 people came on campus, and that next Sunday, not one person came. And we decided, you know what? It is not the event that's going to get people. It's the personal invites. It's the relationships that we're building outside of these walls that's ultimately going to get people to walk through those doors and experience this life that we have with Christ. Never discredit what a simple invite can do. What a simple, hey, let me hang out with you. Let me get to know you. Let me build a relationship with you. And through that relationship, you can see God in my heart. You can see God in my life, and then that starts to bleed and change their lives. A personal invite is amazing. A relationship is amazing. Let's go and build relationships with people. We gather here. We grow here. Let's go build and meet people. It starts one person at a time. One person who gets to know Jesus and experience his love. They get to, they get, get to tell somebody else about Jesus and share his love. Then they tell someone, and you see this amazing effect happen because we're building relationships with people. You may get rejected sometimes. I hate rejection. I hate it. If someone doesn't like me, I want to know what's wrong with them because I'm a likable person. Hang out with me. You may face rejection, but you know what? I think when, when you find someone that says yes, it makes all the other rejections seem not so bad because you've had a relationship with someone and you've helped show them what a life with Christ really offers. As a church, I want us to act globally. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Next week, we get to have some missionaries join us. It's gonna be um, virtual, and I'm still working out logistics of how it will work, but we get to have Drew and Jessica Welch, a family that uh, mission, is missionaries in Liberia through Open Bible, our denomination, and we get to hear from them and see how they literally took the words go, and they went. They left the country and went somewhere, and God's doing an amazing thing in their ministry. We get to support missions. As a church, we get to support missions. The Welches will share with us what they do, and I know that we support other missions as well. As a church, maybe in the future, I want us to go on missions. I want us to be able to say, hey, maybe we get to go to another country and build a house. 
We get to go play with kids. We get to go feed the homeless. We get to go do something, be the hands and feet of Jesus in another place that will change your life. I know for me, going on the Mexico missions trip when I was in California changed my life. It changed my daughter's life. I want us to be a church that goes and does things for other people. And knowing that we do this, we will always, as a church, always look ahead. We will always look ahead. 350 years ago, a ship full of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America, and they started to build their community in what would become the United States of America, right? In the first year, they established a town. The second year, they elected their town government. In the third year, the government said, we're going to build a road that goes five miles into the wilderness where we've never been. You know what they did in the fourth year? The people tried to impeach that government because they said it was a waste of resources to build that road to go into the the wilderness. That's mind-boggling because this is the same group of people who said, we're going to sail 2,000 miles across the ocean to a new land. They then got so comfortable, they said, we can't even see five miles down the road anymore. You see, I want us to not lose our vision, to not lose our ability that God says we get to go do things, to always look forward. Let's not stop doing the unthinkable. Let's always look at where can we go from here. What has God got next for us? How do we get to be a part of it? And what is God going to do? With clear vision, with clear willingness to get up and move forward, I think we're going to see God do amazing things in this church. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up as we close out today. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, if a man hasn't discovered something ready to die for, then he isn't fit to live. And I think we all have something that's worth dying for. Our relationship with Christ is worth us giving him absolutely everything, looking forward and going on this incredible mission together. Would you all stand with me this morning? Now, I know this wasn't a, a typical message, a typical passage, but I really feel this is what God has put on my heart, where I want us to go as a church. I want us to always look forward. I want us to say, hey, we get to gather here. We get to celebrate. We get to have an amazing time. We get to grow. We get to be a part of small groups. We get to say, God, grow in my life. God, give me the tools. Give me the ability and and desire to put convenience aside, to say, these are my convictions. This is how I'm going to grow in you. And then through that, we say, now we get to go. We get to go share this with people. We get to bring them on board with us and see God do amazing things in this place. It's going to take people. It's going to take passion. It's going to take time and energy and resources. But man, when we do it with excellence, it is incredible. It's easy to get overwhelmed. there There was a lot in here of stuff that I said I want us to do as a church. But it's true. It's easy. It's a lot. And it may be even easy to look at it and say there's no way we can do all that. Well, you know what? That may be true. But if we don't set a vision and a goal bigger than something we can accomplish, then we're saying we don't need God to be a part of it. When we set something, we say, I don't think I can reach that. We say, that's good because we're trusting God is going to get us there. We're going to do our part. We're going to see how God manifests and works in everything we do. And I want everybody here, and I want you guys to be all in. Let's, let's go all in. Let's, let's blow this place up spiritually, numerically, everything. Let's blow it up because we serve a God who says, I've got big things in store for you. And I'm going to do something gutsy. You know, not all the pastors would do this. This is my cell phone number. Maybe. There it is. This is my cell phone number. Write it down. I would love for you guys to send me a text, put your name in it, and if, man, if you are all in, just say it. This is such and such, I'm all in. And then uh, maybe go to our Facebook site even and say, I'm all in. Comment on the page. I'm all in. Let's, let's let this rally. Let's, let's use today as our starting point saying, this is now where we're going. This is what we're going to do. 
I am all in, and man, I'm going to give it everything, and we have incredible things planned for our future. Amen? Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that, uh, that you serve us in an incredible way, and in that, because you serve us, we get to serve you. God, I pray that we, we gather here. We never lose focus on, we weren't meant to do this individually, God. We were meant to do this as a community. We get to gather and celebrate. God, I pray that we grow. Each and every day we spend time with you where we get to grow and and feed ourselves and see how you do an amazing work in our hearts. And God, then I pray that we go. We go out into our communities. We go and we get people for you. We don't just expect them to come. God, we go and we serve and we reach people because you came to us. Now we get to go to them. So God, I pray for just excitement, enthusiasm, and joy as we do this. We thank you, God, we love you. And everybody said, Amen. amen.